This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, March the 1st, officially the first day of spring. Um, hope you had a good weekend. Plenty coming up in today's episode, including advice for parents if you found out which secondary school in Kent your child will be going to in September. That's definitely one to stay listening for. Plus, there's a Golden Globe for a Kent actor, and we hear from the Gillingham boss after their game at the weekend. But first, from today, it's going to cost you more to travel by train in Kent. Although we appreciate this is something you might not have done as much of over the past year, but fares have gone up by 2.6%. The price hike is worked out by taking last summer's retail prices index measure of inflation and then adding 1%. Well, the Kent Online podcast has been speaking to John Bosco and Wagbo from We Own It, which campaigns to end the privatisation of public services. He says it's key workers who are going to be hit hardest. Since lockdown has been declared, um, people can only travel in public transportation if they are going to work. And who are the people who are able to go, who must go to work at this time? It's key workers, nurses, people stacking the shelves at shops, um, people who work in a lot of our key infrastructure. And they're the ones that are going to be hit hardest by this um, hike. And you can also remember that the government has recently been asked to raise um, the wages of key workers, of nurses, in um, the budget that's about to be announced, and they've refused to do so. So this is quite contrary to any kind of spirit of appreciation we should have for these people who have given themselves for our communities during this crisis. And you say about this increase should be scrapped entirely, considering, uh, well, this was delayed by about a month, but considering the government message is to continue to stay at home in the middle of this lockdown, um, I guess, your point is it doesn't really seem to make much sense to have this increase then. Exactly. But also the fact that very soon um, lockdown is going to begin to be loosened, right? So very soon we're going to be able to travel a little bit more than we have been able to do over the last couple of months. And um, the question really that the government needs to answer at this point is, do you want people coming back to use the trains, right? If you want them coming back to use the trains, raising the fares is not a good way to incentivize them to do so. We do know that evidence shows that People are buying used cars more, right? And if we want to use our rail as a way to tackle climate change, right? The pandemic is a massive crisis that we have to deal with right now, but we still have the climate crisis waiting at the corner, looking at us and smiling, right? And we have to tackle it. And the government cannot be raising fares at a time when we want to bring people back into the trains, right? And it's just a wrong-headed policy. And it's a policy that have been forced into because of the crisis in the privatized rail system. They should decide immediately to take our rail into public ownership. In that way, they can save us money and they can begin to plan ahead into making our rail a much more sustainable and greener um, um, infrastructure for the future. Unions are also accusing the government of making rail travel unaffordable. Well, you can let us know what you think today. Would the price hike put you off travelling by train? And if you used to commute, how much have you saved by working from home? You can comment on the story at kentonline.co.uk or via our socials. Kent Online News. 
A cash machine has been stolen during a ram raid, the second to happen in Kent in just 24 hours. A digger was used to remove it from a petrol station on the Thanet Way between Faversham and Whitstable in the early hours of this morning. It's being linked to another attempted ram raid at a Tesco Express on Dimchurch High Street yesterday. At Kent Online, you can see footage of the moment a police officer was knocked onto the ground during a chase in Ramsgate. It happened when a police car rammed into the suspect's vehicle to try and force it to stop while the officer was trying to open the car's door in King Street last night. The driver fled before being found in Canterbury Road East. A 40-year-old was arrested and remains in custody. People smugglers could face life sentences under government plans to tackle the number of asylum seekers crossing the channel to Kent in small boats. The current maximum sentence is 14 years, but Home Secretary Priti Patel is reportedly concerned the average sentence is only three years. 87 people, including some children, arrived in Dover at the weekend. One tested positive for coronavirus. 10 and 11-year-olds across Kent have been finding out what secondary school they'll be going to in September. Education bosses have been allocating places to more than 22,200 children. While 95% will be going to one of their preferences, only 69% have got into their first choice. We've been getting some expert analysis and advice from Graham Jones, who specialises in education at Whitehead Moncton Solicitors in Maidstone. First piece of advice, as always, is do not panic. There will be people that do not get their first choice. Um, If that is the case, there are a number of things that you should do. Firstly, contact the school where you have been offered a place and check that school out. Are you sure that is not the right school? If you're of the view that it's still not the right school, you should still accept the place at that school You can still go through an appeal process. It doesn't matter if you then change. But what you don't want to happen is if all your options do fail and you haven't accepted that place, you don't want to find your child hasn't got a school place um, to start in September. Next thing to do is to decide whether to appeal. It is different again this year. The first big difference was parents had a choice of six schools to put on their list this year rather than the previous four. Now that was done because unfortunately um, they could not get the Kent test results out before the date where you had to submit your choice of school so therefore you were given the opportunity to choose six. Now if it subsequently transpired that your child didn't pass the Kent test you will not get your first choice of school if that was a grammar school. Therefore if you either didn't get into grammar school or you've chosen a comprehensive school and you didn't get into your first choice, you can then go through the appeal process. If you want to appeal, ideally you should get your appeal form in by the 26th of March because that will ensure that it's heard in time uh, to allow the child to go to the school if the appeal is successful. If you get it in after that, they will try and hear your appeal and they'll normally hear it within 40 days of you putting the appeal in. Now, the appeal system, again, is going to be different this year. In the past, you lodged your appeal form and you were notified of a hearing date where you would go along to an independent appeal panel. In the main, there are no appeal panel hearings taking place, either face-to-face or online. What they are doing is paper applications only. 
Now, if you go on to the um, Kent School's website, the KCC website, to the appeal section, you can look at the appeal form and you can find out if the school you are appealing to uses the Kent form or has its own form. If it says it has its own form, you need to go to the school's website and pull up the appeal form. That document you complete and you set out your grounds for appeal. In the majority of cases, it will say on there that it will be a paper appeal only and there will be no face-to-face -face contact with the school. The other thing that it's important to note is most of the forms say you must not submit any schoolwork from your child for the panel to assess because they won't look at it. The reason they say that is because they have no way of questioning or verifying that work, knowing whether your child carried out the work unaided. So they say it doesn't help with the process of appeal. Now, I always say think carefully about your appeal document. What you are trying to do is to show why your child will be an asset to the school. So you need to think objectively. You need to have your appeal document set out in a bullet point form. I always advise you get somebody independent from yourself to read it before you send it off because you want to make sure they can understand what you are saying and the points that you are making within it. Because if they can't understand it, it's unlikely the appeal panel will. The problem is when it comes to our children, we are very subjective. We think we know the case inside out and it's sometimes more difficult to get that information across to an appeal panel. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. Tributes have been paid to a Canterbury man following a freak chainsaw accident in his garden. Matthew Ovenden was found by his partner after chopping logs in his back garden. The 35-year-old from Ash has been described as a kind soul with a big heart. An inquest has been adjourned until June. Police have broken up a brawl involving a group of young people in a car park at Blue Water. Officers put an end to the fight yesterday afternoon. A 20-year-old man has also been fined for breaking coronavirus rules after travelling there from London. This is the moment two people were rescued after getting stuck in mud on Sheppey. What you can hear there is police, firefighters, paramedics and the Coast Guard who were all called to Warden Bay yesterday afternoon. We're told the people were cold and shocked but otherwise unhurt and you can see that video in full at kentonline.co.uk. Cameras to catch drivers who throw rubbish out of their car windows are going to be introduced in Maidstone. Litter cam technology could be installed as soon as April as part of the first pilot scheme of its kind in the country to keep the roads cleaner. Now the council will be showing footage and photos of number plates so they can issue fines. Kent Online reports. Last week, you might remember on the podcast, we heard from a man who worked for Emmaus Dover and was warning about a potential homeless crisis. Sean Cullinane was speaking after stats showed a drop in the number of rough sleepers in the county. He was concerned that more people could be out on the streets if support isn't made available to those who are struggling to pay rent because of the pandemic. Well, Sean also decided to share his story and how he's turned his life around. I became homeless in... 2000 and it was late 2010. Um, I'd been in a relationship um, with, with a lady. I, I lived with her in her property um, for about eight years. Now, I'd had some grief in my life there. Um, I, I'd lost my, my only child. He, he died in an accident. Um, I, 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 I 
I foolishly went drinking. I was using drink as a crutch. The lady I was with, she was a drinker. Um, prior to, I hadn't drunk for 10 years. I, I wasn't a drinker. But, <clears throat> so 2002, fast forward to 2010, I was a full-blown alcoholic. I was working, I was a functioning alcoholic, um, but I was drinking, I would say, 24 hours a day, more or less. You know, I would go to work with, with a small bottle of vodka and, and that would be going in my tea and my coffee during the day just to keep me going. Um, the relationship imploded, as it would, because of the alcohol abuse. Um, it became um, abusive, physically and psychologically and mentally. Um, and in the end, I, I left. I left the relationship. And I, I, I chose to go on the streets. I come from a family who, who are decent people. You know, um, I could have gone to my family. I could have gone to my friends. Um, but I, I carried a lot of shame. And as long as I had a drink, I was okay. I could cope. So I was in London then, on the streets, um, for about six months, maybe seven months. Um, things weren't working out there. I, I was going around in this circle of just, just drinking. And I was drinking nasty stuff, mate. Really like, you know, that white cider and all this sort of thing. Um, and I moved up to Cambridgeshire. I moved in with one of my brothers for a time. Tried to get off the drink. Um, you know, I was attending AA meetings and stuff. Um, and, and I relapsed again. You know, I left my brothers. I was out again, living rough. Um, living on the streets, living in woods and stuff like that. I, I have mental health problems, you know. Um, I suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder from the death of my son and also my military service. Um, and, and I was using drink to just escape all this. To exist, I was stealing. I was stealing from shops, um, alcohol and food. You know, I wasn't stealing to sell anything or clothing. I was just, if I had food and drink, I could exist, you know. Or, and um, inevitably, um, I got caught shoplifting. The police were involved. Um, and one of the police officers gave me some information on a charity that maybe able to assist me. Um, I, I went to this, this charity to try and lower my alcohol intake because, you know, I knew it was going to kill me what I was drinking. I was drinking probably nine litres of white cider a day just to be normal, if you like. So I wasn't like withdrawing from it. Um, so I, I was working with this charity, but I was existing on the streets and I was still stealing, not every day, um, but I, I was stealing from shops, food and alcohol. I got caught again. Um, I was put before the court this time. Um, the court made an order that I, I work more often with this charity. And also they put me on probation for a two year period. Um, so I, I, I carried on doing that. When, when, when it was an order of the court that I worked with this charity, I got a new key worker. And I worked with this guy for a few months. Again, I was living rough, but I was trying to get out of this hole that I was in, you know? And he said, there's good news and there's bad news. Um, he said, Emmaus, there is a place for you at Emmaus, but it's in Emmaus Leeds. We have 29 communities around the UK. I spoke to my probation officer, like, he said, Sean, we'll go there tomorrow. And we went there the next day. Um, I had a look around. It looked, honestly, it, it, it looked like, um, it, for me, you know, it was a busy place. People were working. It was in a lovely location. 
I had an interview with the community manager. I was concerned about my, my criminal record. Um, he said, there's no problem there. And I moved in there about three days later. Um, and, you know, that was in 2013, um, April 2013. And I haven't looked back. You know, I haven't looked back. Um, it's enabled me to have somewhere safe, home. It's enabled me now to turn my life around. Um, so that now I'm not a bane on society. I, I consider myself an asset um, to, to my community, to Emmaus UK on the whole, and, and us as an international movement. You know, um, I try and do something good every day. If I can't, it's not a problem. But if I can, it's a great thing to do. You know, solidarity for us assisting others is, is very important to us. Um, help bring back our self-worth. Because me and the guys and girls here, we've been in bad places and we've done bad things. But it, it, it doesn't say we, we don't deserve uh, another chance, you know, to, to mend our ways and maybe do some good. And now I moved to another community to take a look around in Mayas and see what else is going on. Um, and then I came down to Dover three years ago, um, three year ago, years ago next next week. And I didn't plan on being here for three years, but I, you know I like the community, um, I love the location, um, and and the work they do here. It inspires me because we do get down and dirty. You know we're not doing it now, but soup kitchens. You know we just go out on Saturday mornings with eggs and bacon and sausages off our own back, just to feed people. You know. They didn't have to be homeless. Not everyone's, you know, there's people in, in Dover on the breadline, you know? Um, they might have somewhere to live, but they might not have no gas electric because they can't pay for it. But if they come to us, we'll feed them, you know? Kent Online reports. At Kent Online, you can see footage of the moment a meteor was spotted across Kent. The video footage shows the rock burning up before leaving a trail of flames in the sky in Medway last night. Scientists estimate it was travelling at about 30,000 miles per hour and had been orbiting between Mars and Jupiter. There are celebrations today for a Tunbridge Wells-born actor who's won at this year's Golden Globes. Emma Corrin picked up an acting prize for playing Diana in The Crown. Most of all, thank you so much to Diana. You have taught me compassion and empathy beyond any measure that I can ever imagine. And um, on behalf of everyone who remembers you so fondly and passionately in our hearts, thank you. It also won Best Drama and there was also an award for Josh O'Connor who stars as Prince Charles. Other British winners at last night's virtual ceremony were Daniel Kaluuya, John Boyega, Rosamund Pike and Sasha Baron-Cohen. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham are still 15th in League One following their one-all draw with Portsmouth at the weekend. Verdane Oliver got the equaliser for the Jills in the 40th minute of the game at Fratton Park. While Steve Evans had mixed emotions when we caught up with him after the match. We were disappointed not to be given a penalty for a clear handball inside a minute. Um, we got a call behind when we're defensively sloppy in a couple of challenges. Uh, we, we had a good half-time chat with the boys, and I think second half we were terrific. And Gillingham's busy schedule continues as they welcome MK Dons to Priestfield tomorrow night. And tributes are being paid to former Gillingham manager Glenn Roder, who's died at the age of 65. He was in charge of the club for one season in the early 90s and has passed away following a long battle with a brain tumour. 
Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.